Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My name is Richard Bliss. You're li- listening to episode 166. Thanks for being here. We're going to jump right into my guest because he's got a lot to say, and I want to give you an opportunity to hear everything he's talking about. My guest is Charles Luzar, and Charles is the director of Crowd Fund Insider crowdfundinsider.com. He's also a member of the PR committee for the CFPA, which is the Crowdfunding Professionals Association. And he's a member of the CF50, a global think tank crowdfunding industry experts. Charles, how'd I do? You did uh, just fine. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Always a pleasure. I love talking to you. I love uh, when we get together and have conversations. And so I thought, you know, there's a lot going on. A lot of things are starting to happen. And I had to have you on the show to talk to my guests about some of that that's happening. My previous guest was a mutual friend of yours and I, mine, Devin Thorpe, and we touched on a little bit of what's happening with the, with the Jobs Act, a little bit of what's happening with September 23rd, some uh, rules were loosened, and I wanted to go more in-depth on that, and so I thought I'd just bring you in and, and we could talk about crowdfunding big picture. Sort of. That's what you do, right? Uh, as the director for Crowdfund Insider, you guys cover the crowdfunding industry space. We, we do, and I, you know, I've in, in doing so, we launched uh, September fourth of twenty twelve. Uh, so since then, I've I've probably written, you know, somewhere around seven to eight hundred articles on the subject. Uh, you know, collected, goodness knows how many more. Um, you know, I think we have we have over four thousand or just short of four thousand articles on the subject to date. And that's all on crowdfundinsider.com? Yes. Okay. And if, if people are interested, could you cover basically, I mean, a journalist, right? You're a journalist in this space. Yeah. So, you know, just a little bit of background without taking up too much time. I, I was I was a, a programmer at a media company before doing this and uh, kind of got got caught with the media bug. I, I you know, I love the industry and we, uh, you know, me and a couple of investors saw the crowdfunding space picking up and just decided to jump head first into it and start covering it. So we, we, we did. And the, the response has been excellent so far. I'm really happy with it. And I've talked about that. You and I have been doing this now. You're from September of last year. You know, it feels like we've been doing this forever, but we're still kind of realizing that we're a little out in front on this, aren't we? It's, it's a long haul. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, I often find myself talking not about what's going on today, but what's going to be happening five to 10 years from now. I think that's what's really exciting about the space. There's obviously great things happening now. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of regulatory changes that haven't even taken place yet that the industry is kind of banking on to push it to the next level. So we're kind of watching what happens uh, on the regulatory front, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, with bated breath. And that's what we want to talk about because most of my listeners are f- extremely familiar with Kickstarter, the way that Kickstarter re- works, and it's a rewards-based crowdfunding platform um, that give money, support a project, oftentimes get that project or uh, get the satisfaction of helping that project realize. Some people call it a pre-order system. I hate that. Disagree with that. But that's kind of the Kickstarter mentality. But the crowdfunding space is a heck of a lot bigger than that, isn't it? It is. It is. And, uh, you know, the, the, one of the interesting things that will come up in talking about crowdfunding as a concept is that there's kind of there's there's on, on specifically talking about the investment side, which is ramping up right now. There's there's two crowds that are being uh, being dealt with here. One is the the quote unquote non accredited crowd. That's, you know, general investors, people like me that don't have a million dollar net worth. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not an accredited investor. 
Um, but there's also accredited investors who are high net worth individuals or people that make over $200,000 a year. Um, and, and there's some debate over whether or not that constitutes a crowd because it's a small, it's, it's technically a small number of people. It's less than 10% of the population. And, you know, that, that can fluctuate a bit. So, so, you know, people should keep that in mind that, that there's some debate about whether or not that constitutes crowdfunding. In my mind, crowdfunding is the intersection of capital formation and the internet. And having said that, I do think that, that uh, crowdfunding and, and soliciting investment from accredited individuals does constitute crowdfunding. So, so that, that's my take, but it's subjective. So I have an E-Trade account. I go out on my E-Trade account. I invest in a stock. Isn't that crowdfunding? You know, it, 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 I, I guess by the, by the definition that I just laid out, it, you, you could argue that it is. Um, I would say that... There's a, there, there's a functional difference between what I would call crowdfunding and something like E-Trade, and that is that, you know, one of the core concepts of crowdfunding is the pitch. And, and these are generally, you know, right now they're startups, uh, by and large, there's obviously exceptions to that rule. But the pitch is very different for a crowdfunding offering. You have things like pitch videos, descriptions. On the, on the equity side, you will have some disclosures in the form of, of you know, financial uh, financial statements or, or, you know, general business information. So I, I think functionally there's a difference between the two. Um, that, that, that would be my take on that. Okay. So there's a, a functional difference. So I'll just, and people who have listened to my show know kind of where I stand on this because here's what I'm struggling with. You and I have been covering this space. We talk to a lot of people and there's a lot of equity-based crowdfunding, the ability to take money through the crowd and, and sell equity in your company. And that's what uh, this legislation is all about. And the difference is, is that I'm, I'm just not believing that there's that much money burning a hole in people's pockets to just, that's going to be unleashed by some legislation that's kept them back. And that's why trade. Why, why, if I have a thousand dollars to quote invest, why would I put, not put it in the stock market? Why would I go put it in some guy who pitched me and but you're telling me I can't I can't even put it there because I have to be accredited, right? I have to make two hundred thousand dollars or have a net worth of a million dollars. Right now, non-accredited investors are locked out of the world of private placements, uh, and there's there's a couple exceptions to that rule. Uh, there, there's a stipulation uh, in Rule five hundred six B of Regulation D. Without getting too deep into things, basically, you know, if, if you're doing a, a an exempt securities offering under that rule, you can have up to thirty five non-accredited investors participate. Um, but by and large, non-accredited investors do not participate in that, that side of the market. So when, um, I, so when I see legislation and I see a new thing coming out, it's asking myself, what problem is it trying to solve? So, so this is – I think to answer that question, this is one of the really important differences in, in public perception and future functional implementation of crowdfunding funding that I think is important to, to establish. Um, in my mind, the power of equity crowdfunding for non-accredited investors is going to come from people investing in companies that are near to them, uh, their friends' companies, the mom-and-pop shop around the corner. If, if I, I think there's a prevailing assumption that this whole space is about trying to call the next Facebook or Zynga, and that's inevitably going to happen to an extent. But I think the I think the industry, some in the industry, really want to see 
companies close to the investors benefit from the investments. And, and the thing about that is that say that you, the, there's, a, there's a great Italian restaurant around the corner for me. Say that they wanted to buy out the, uh, the, the, the building next to them, expand operations, double the size of their kitchen. You know, if I, as a non-accredited investor, invest money in that endeavor, first of all, that, that company is far less likely to, uh, to go out of business because they've been there for X amount of years. I know them well. The owner already knows what she's doing. Um, and, and also in, in, that, in that company growing or that restaurant growing, that helps my general neighborhood. It helps my property value. There's benefits there past the fact that I own this small piece of equity in, in, this, in this nearby restaurant. Does that make sense? It does, but I have a question for you. Sure. Okay. So how do I get my money back? Well, okay. So, so, so that's – these are liquid shares, right? And that is a valid concern. I am of the opinion – and again, I'm a journalist. I'm not a, I'm not a financial professional. Um, you, I, I, you sound like one. Do you play one on TV? I, I play one on. I, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Good. All right. No, the the, you know, I, I think that the more the more shares that are owned via crowdfunding, the larger this thing gets. The more there's going to be a desire for liquidity, and I think the the more shares are owned, the the, the, the more compelling the economic reason for a secondary market for these shares becomes. And I, I wrote about this, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it was a number of months ago for VentureBeat. Um, the idea of a fund of funds in crowdfunding is something that I find kind of interesting. And I've been pinged at various times since writing this article about this. Um, investing in one company is, is neat, but it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish one of the basic tenets of investing, which is diversification. I think that any smart investor is going to diversify their assets. And what if I had the opportunity to go and invest in 10 diversified crowdfunding holdings with, you know, with the click of a button and all the due diligence and information that I need to make an educated decision on those 10, those 10 you know, holdings were, were all centralized in one place? Um, I, I think that's kind of a compelling idea. I'd love to see that happen. It's, it's completely illegal at this point. Um, but, but that's kind of one, one example of how I think we can get around that. But I, I, I do think that the bigger the industry is, the more liquidity you're going to see. Okay. That's, that's a fair assessment. But I have another question back to our Italian restaurant idea. Sure. Because if a wants to buy out this building, expand, let's pick a number. How much, is it, how much are they trying to raise to do that? How much would it cost a restaurant to do that? Well, that's that's kind of the, the I think that's the benefit of a of a of an example like that is that theoretically the the, the cap on on a raise you know it, it's probably going to be a, a million dollars, um, and keep in mind too that that states are taking matters into their own hands, and I think that this is a great thing. For example, um, you know the one that I, I most recently reported on there was a there was a piece of legislation in the House in Michigan. That says that uh, you know you can raise a million dollars. This is ahead of the Jobs Act. They're trying to get this passed by the end of the year. Um, so, so let's say that the that the, the capital need is is like three quarters of a million dollars. Okay, um, which is a substantial amount of money for a restaurant. I mean, you can do a lot with three quarters of a million. Yeah, um, that that would be completely legal under the Jobs Act. You know, assuming that everything stays the way it is, rules haven't been proposed yet. Um, it would also be legal under these state exemptions. It would be legal in Michigan, assuming 
that bill passes. Wisconsin's undertaking a similar effort. Um, and, and particularly about those, because this example, this is a, this is a, a company that's close, that's close to me. The Italian restaurant around the corner isn't likely to get investors from California. And, and the, the, you know, my question is, do you even want investors from California? Um, what, what, what's, nearby. what's wrong uh, with California? <laughs> do you not like California? Don't take it personally. It's, 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 it's a matter of proximity, right? Okay. The, the, the benefit is that, that now your investors are emotionally invested in your success. As an investor, I'm going to go tell my friends to eat there. I'm going to tell my family to eat there. When it's my mom's birthday, I'm going to take her there. Um, so, so there's benefits outside of just the money. You're, you're getting people that are, that are truly you know, invested in your success, both literally and figuratively. Uh, yeah. Um, I- I hear what you're saying and it makes sense, but I have a, but, and that is, I'm cause I'm not because, and I know it's because of my perspective and the rose colored glasses, words based crowdfunding site. You and I just mentioned uh, bones Two Kickstarter campaign out there from Reaper. Yes. So let's make, instead of making it a, instead of making it an Italian restaurant, let's make it a miniatures game company. And they want to massively expand their line of miniatures, and they need a half a million. Let's say they need a million dollars or 1.2 million. Under the Jobs Act, they could not sell equity in their company to the tune of $1.2 million, right? Correct. They could not use crowdfunding to raise equity. But on Kickstarter, in the past week, they've raised $1.2 million with 11,000 backers without a single piece of equity being. And so I come back to my question of what problem are we trying to solve here? What would happen if the Italian restaurant instead said, instead of giving up this equity in our company, what happens if you, if you pledge a thousand dollars, you get, you know, free lunch for the next year. If you pledge $10,000, we name one of the dining rooms after you in the next, right? I mean, if you're really looking for, patronage and recognition, then being able to actually reward your backers directly so that they benefit, you know, the the brick in the wall with your name on it type concept seems to be a much easier and the incentives seem to be lined up that people would give money to get my name on the wall versus I give that thousand dollars a tiny percentage of a company that I'll never see my money come back. What you just said is completely is completely accurate. I, I would not argue with that at all. Um, rewards-based crowdfunding is still going to be one of the cheapest means of raising capital, even after the JOBS Act is implemented or Title III of the JOBS Act is implemented. Um, your only cost is the 5% that you pay to Kickstarter or whatever percentage to whatever platform. Yeah, ten, um, 10% is the rule of thumb that I use. It's just slightly high, but it's about 10% you end up forking over. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming that you're looping in like costs to create a pitch video and things like that. Uh, well, you can. 10%, 5% goes to Amazon, 5% goes to Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. So, so to your point, there is another restaurant in uh, Robbinsdale, uh Minnesota called Travail that is six hours from closing a quarter of a million dollar round on Kickstarter. If you can do that, do it. You know, the, the, the equity crowdfunding 
is not supposed to be the end-all be-all for capital formation. It is one more option. And specifically, I think it's an option that sits between some more expensive forms of capital formation that require more legal, you know, legal advice and things of that nature and something like rewards-based crowdfunding or donation crowdfunding where the costs are very, very low. If you can make a compelling pitch on, you know, via rewards-based crowdfunding offering and raise the money that you need, that is absolutely where you should start. Okay. So, okay. And we both agree on that. And, and we have known each other long enough to know that we pretty much agree on all of it. We just coming at it from a slightly different angle. So here's in our last, you know, three, three minutes here. Um, I've now lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's never happened to me. No, I understand that. Um, you've got, what was I going to say? It has to do, oh, okay. I, how many, I guess what's upsetting, upsetting is the right. No, I'm upset. And that is the amount of flat out hype that's going on about how much money is going to pour into equity-based crowdfunding platforms as soon as this Title III passes, I just don't buy it. I, okay. I just don't buy that there – because the last number I heard was $300 billion. is just waiting out there in the, to pour into these equity crowdfunding platforms. I don't buy it. I, 300 billion, I, you know, that, that was a number that came from the tab report. Um, you know, is, is that lofty? Maybe. It, it, nobody Maybe? knows, right? Maybe? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Um, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm a journalist, so I, I, I have to be somewhat objective. You're doing a great, you're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm trying to break myself of that right now. Let's let let me say this. Equity crowdfunding has been legal overseas in some way, shape or form for for a long time. You know, as far as I know, it started with uh, with, you know, a platform in Australia and, you know, slowly kind of moved to the UK and some other, you know, some other countries are undertaking initiatives. The total throughput of equity crowdfunding overseas is I want to say somewhere, you know, well short of a billion, a billion dollars, you know, all time. I mean, we're talking about years of of ramping this effort up. Um, with that said, I, I do agree that I think that there, you know, that, that the space might be overhyped um, and it, there needs to be a huge effort in education to get the public to be comfortable with what it means to do an equity crowdfunding raise, what they should be looking for, what they should be leery of. Uh, I, I, I think that that's a long process. It's going to take probably years to get people comfortable with it. That's to say nothing of, of your, your everyday investment advisor who, you know, I, I just, I just happened to accompany my girlfriend to, uh, to an Edward Jones advisor. And I had to ask, what do you think about equity crowdfunding? Uh, he, he almost went through the roof. (laughs) Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the challenge that the space has because, because again, his thing is, you know, like in many investment advisors, is diversification. He wants to make sure that assets are protected by diversification. My argument is, well, you know, it, it maybe put a small, and I'm talking about a very small, you know, non-accredited investors can only invest up to a certain amount. And it's somewhere in, in the two to $3,000 range for most people. And it goes up from there. 
uh, that's a small amount of money. I mean, you, you know, if I were to invest a hundred or two hundred dollars a year into equity crowdfunding raises, that's enough for me. Um, now, if everybody did that, that's that's quite a substantial amount of money. But is that realistic? Probably not. Uh, and that, I think that's where education comes into play. People people need to know what this is all about, and they need to be comfortable enough with the risk risks to understand them and be able to weigh them when making investment decisions. Okay. Technically we're out of time uh, and it's my show and, and, I, <laughs> and I don't want to end um, because the, the, cause you, you mentioned, you know, looking out five to 10 years from now and I'm, I'm asked five to 10 years now, what are you going to see? And as a marketing person in the technology trends, you look at movement right now. Um, I just, you know, the numbers I've seen is Kickstarter will probably get a billion dollars of, of pledges in the next 18 months, 20 months, a billion dollars. Um, and I've mentioned that and been told that that is small potatoes compared to the amount of money right now. And it represents a disruption because one of the things overseas is that they, they didn't have rewards based crowdfunding to compete with the equity based crowdfunding. When those equity-based crowdfunding platforms were starting to be developed at the same level that we have Kickstarter and Indiegogo and Rocket Hub and some of these other ones, it's just it's going to be fascinating to watch because the cool thing is a year from see were we right, right? Because it is coming, isn't it? And you broke <laughs> up a little bit. You broke up a little bit at the end. What is coming? Uh, sorry. Um, no, it's not your fault. No, no, no. And you, uh, just so that my listeners know, I haven't been dubbing. I have. I haven't been. Um, uh, you're hearing a little bit of it in our Skype call. A little bit of a, a flag. It's going to sound like I actually uh, blanked out some of your comments because I didn't like what you were saying. So I'm going to make sure that people realize <laughs> that that didn't happen. No, what I was saying was is that uh, in a couple of years we're going to find out who was right. That. Uh, oh right. yeah, and and, and it, it is coming. It is, and and I think that what it's going to come, it's going to come down to two things uh, on the equity side. Number one is the impact of equity investment going to be seen uh, on Main Street? Are you are, are are companies going to use crowdfunding successfully to grow their businesses and affect the communities around them in a positive way? And two, are those returns going? to be transferred back to the people that are participating. If those two things happen, I absolutely think that equity crowdfunding can dwarf rewards in, in, in five years. Um, you know, is it a long shot? Yeah, maybe, probably, uh, debatable. Um, but, but I think that's, that's what it's going to take. Excellent. That's a great place to end. Charles, thank you so much for being on the show and, and helping my listeners kind of understand what's happening. You still there? I am. Thank you for having me. We're having some <laughs> Skype issues. I know that's hard to believe. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Charles Luzar, who's the director of CrowdfundInsider.com. He's a member of the PR committee for the Crowdfunding Professionals Association. Tank for crowdfunding industry experts. We have been talking about equity-based crowdfunding, Title Three of the Jobs Act, and all of that impact that it's going to have on our future. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring, interesting, controversial, something. If you have, tell me. You've been sent in mail and I certainly appreciate it. It's been fun to listen to uh, and read your comments. Thanks for listening.